Hello, this is Brian Wampler with another episode of the Chasing Tone Podcast, a podcast about guitars, amps, effects, as well as a healthy dose of interesting off-topic discussions. Joining me today again is Blake Weiland, host of the Tone Mob Podcast, an entrepreneur and effects pedal junkie, as well as Richard Oliver, Wampler's own man of many hats, a longtime tone chaser and a digital entrepreneur. Hello there, fellas. Woo! Good evening, mm-hmm. gentle folk. I'm the caffeinated one today. Let's go. Wow. I haven't, I haven't had my uh, third cup of coffee yet. So only had one and two. I found a, um, and this is some great old man radio <laughs> broadcast coming right up here. I'm ready. I found a direct correlation between drinking too much coffee and getting up multiple times in the night. I was slightly yeah, you worried. Don't say. I yeah. was slightly don't say. worried that I, you know, I might have the old prostate issue. And then I discovered that if I just stopped drinking a giant cold coffee at about seven o'clock at night, I was okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I slept yeah. like a baby. <laughs> I have a I have a good story about uh about that so about prostates. That we'll to, <laughs> that's got to it's got to stay for Patreon. Yes. I can't. It can't be Welcome on the, to the chasing uh, the public, prostate the public uh, podcast. But I, I, it's it's a good one that's coming boy. up. It's a good. It's Ouch. a good one coming in it's hot with the <laughs> holy <laughs> content. It right is off. a good one. A three sets. Let's talk about music, please. Yes. Yes. I'm here for the musics. Yes. Music. I like music. Do you guys like music? I like music a lot. Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan. Uh, I like that one song called Get Back. (laughs) Am I the only one of us who's sat through the Beatles documentary so far? No, I watched a YouTube, two-minute YouTube clip the other day. Oh, well, then you've seen all of it because (laughs) (laughs) you can definitely condense eight hours into two minutes, Bri. So I basically am an an expert on the subject. (laughs) What about you, Blake? Have you seen it? I have not watched it yet. It's it's on my list. We're in the middle of a, a, well, not in the middle. We're almost done with a series that we're trying to get through. Oh, what are you trying to get through? uh, Changing Rooms USA. No. It's called Made. It's kind of a depressing show, but. uh, Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give that a miss. I don't need a depressing show. It's pretty depressing. And the characters are all really like, like just, you're just face palming the whole time. Like, stop, stop what you're doing. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Stop. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I get, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, we're too deep in it now. And, uh, I can honestly say, and by the time this goes out, I will have published a blog with a lot of these thoughts in it, but I can honestly say it's worth the eight hour entrance fee and if you're gonna do something over christmas televisual this would be the thing to to save up like i think you'll really dig it i'm uh, i'm gonna power right into it as soon as we're done with this series i think we've got two episodes left so where are you on the beatles what's your view uh i i came around so when i was a when i was a teenager i was not really a fan i i thought they were very much overrated uh but that was because, honestly, I I was ignorant. Like, I didn't realize what, I didn't know what I was talking about, which is, I guess, nothing really has changed. I still don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. <laughs> Welcome but, to the Chasing Tone podcast. If <laughs> you're just tuning in, we're all ignorant here. That's right. But as I got older, I realized how important the, their contributions and the contributions of those that worked with them really were to the greater musical landscape. And... um uh, grew to really, really appreciate them, and they're they're I they're definitely not one of my very favorite bands, but they have inspired greatly most of my favorite bands in one form or sure. another. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm quite into it. Uh, I also, I uh, John Lennon is somebody that I he was my one of my first exercises in attempting to disassociate art from artist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's very, moment, it is very trendy at the moment to <clears throat> basically hate the Beatles because, you know, Paul McCartney, boring, Ringo Starr, talentless. People don't say bad things about George normally. Uh, and of course, John Lennon has got an awful reputation. But I think in all of those guys' defences, it was a different world. It's like criticising our grandparents for the views they held Yes, they were wrong to hold those views, and we should all grow and change. But this was a different time, and these were young kids. And that w- one of the things that came out for me was they were like twenty nine when when this was you know being recorded. This is like their f- penultimate album recording session ever, and 
these guys are just kids who have spent their entire life being extraordinary for eight hours a night in Germany every day of the week. It's like it's like nothing else. It's that they are unique individuals. But I I get the the sort of current viewpoint of eh, we're not gonna like the Beatles because it's boomer music and all of that. But you listen to what they do. It's just unreal. But you watch this documentary and it's like being a fly on the wall for a, a recording session. It's amazing. I'm very excited about that. You should I, be. And so should I, you, Brian. I can see you nodding off yeah. up there. I, uh, I'm just looking forward to all the boomer bins. I love those boomer bins. <laughs> well, there the aren't that many. Cause... I was going to say, in the Beatles, that's not really going to happen that much. No, I Every mean... Every now and then you get a boomer bin. Every now and then. Every What's and really then. nice about it is you see, the, you see them jamming a lot. And they're jamming music of the day, uh, some of their influences. So there's a lot of Chuck Berry and, uh, you, you know, you see... Uh, quite a lot of Bob Dylan being played by them. And it's just lovely to see them jam. But what I got straight away, and I think both of you would, regardless of where you stood on on the politics of liking the Beatles, is just there was that connection between them. And you can see it when John Lennon and Paul McCartney in particular are kind of jamming through a piece and they give each other that look in the eye. You know what that look means if you've ever played with another musician. And Brian, I know you've been gigging quite recently. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's not the look of pull out the bee bender because we're going to country town here. <laughs> it's the look of you know where I'm going and I know where you're going and this is sounding amazing. And mm-hmm. that in itself was just such a pleasure to watch as a musician. So that's that's always, have you ever been in a situation where that happens? Yeah. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. couple of different guys I play with that it's like that we read each other. Like, we yeah. just know what's going to happen next. Yeah, we, and, that's, we, the, and that, that's the magic of playing together, oh, isn't totally. it? totally. You can't explain it to someone that's not done it, but no, yeah, it's, it's, it's the beauty of the whole thing. It really is. And, and I think, you know, if, you, if you've ever played the drums, it's very natural for a drummer to be like that because you're always looking at the rest of the band for your cues. You right. aren't the one making the melody, so you're looking for when the melody changes so that you can accompany it properly. And mm. that, that's, that is what music is about. And, you know, what I got out of this film, and I, I can rant about this for hours, and I probably will, um, you know, these guys worked so hard. They were playing eight hours a night. They may have had some help from a slimming pill, which may or may not have had amphetamine effects when they were young <laughs> lads out in Germany. Gigging for eight hours a night, six nights a week, Bri. Could you imagine doing that? I mean, your hand Eight hours would be a just, night? Yeah. That's two gigs a day. It sounds like our, our buddy uh, Elmo. Right. Works, yeah, but, works with us. Yeah. And he is a fantastic <laughs> player, of course. But <laughs> yeah, you would be if you played eight long. hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything for eight hours a day other than sleep. That's the only <laughs> thing I can consistently do for eight hours a day. So um, the work ethic, that's what really got me. Mm. So talent, work ethic, brilliant band. Dudes, you're gonna love it. I'm I'm so stoked for you all to see it, and hopefully a load of our listeners are, are not throwing things at their podcast devices at the moment because they hate the Beatles. But there probably are a few. Well, they should just. I know Nick Scott is. He's, he's yeah. already ripped his headphones off. Yes, Nick Scott has right. already ripped his headphones. Um, and is in the middle he, of making a nasty meme towards you. He guys. is. But he just he just needs help. Um, or perhaps he just needs somebody to hold his hand. I don't know. And for the listeners, uh, Nick Scott is a... Uh, is internet a troll. Often, An internet is, troll. No, he's often how collaborates it is. <laughs> on the Wampler Facebook group. Uh, With trollish memes. Well, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> quite an entertaining individual. Don't worry, yeah. Richard. Your your joke did not go over my head. I heard it. I heard what you did in there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, uh, Nick should just let it be. That is, uh, that's that's right. really all there is to it because mm-hmm. the road to enlightenment is definitely a long and winding road. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I don't want I mean, him to be scattered across the universe. Exactly, exactly. I could go on. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Bri, I think what you're going to really like about it, and uh, uh, you made a really good point, actually, Blake, and I'll come back to, to you on it, but it's not just the Beatles. It's their production crew. It's the ingenuity of their roadies. It's the look of sheer joy 
on their roadie Mal Evans face as he bangs a hammer in on, onto an anvil as they play Maxwell's Silver Hammer and he's like the percussion part. But it's mm-hmm. all the people around the Beatles and it's definitely Billy Preston, the keyboard player who joined them. It's all of that that's fascinating. Seeing how it all interwove with these guys' creativity is just to be seen. But you get, you know, snippets of George Martin talking about how... Um, what creates feedback and how to set up a Leslie speaker. And you've got Alan Parsons in there. And it, uh, it's it's a musician's dream eight-hour um, docu-series. Hmm. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I know for a fact what's going to happen when I watch it, though. I already know this. And this could be You're going to want to base six? Well, yes. Uh, You're definitely going to want to base six after it. Every time I watch anything like this, of a band in the studio in particular, all it makes me want to do is just like finish like the episode or whatever, finish the the, the movie. I'm like, and just run out here, and like I got to make something. I don't know what it's gonna be. It's but I I got to get the mics up. I got to start playing something. And good. I guarantee you, when I get done with this. I will make at least a terrible song out of it. Well, I'm, I'm here to add live drums and or guitars for you, my friend, because <laughs> it inspired me. I was straight away thinking, I, I mean, I, I, I picked up the guitar straight after the end and learned a couple of songs just, you know, straight away. I was like, i got to see how they got this simplicity. And it is, you know, th- th- there's so much you could say about them. They, they maybe even invented heavy metal with the song Helter Skelter, you know? It really mm-hmm. is a a very progressive song for when it came out. I'm... Right. Well, I know Motley Crue did a version of that <laughs> off uh, Shout of the Devil. <laughs> okay, mm, now, we're, now we're definitely into your comfort zone. Motley yeah. Crue. Yeah, that's the first time I heard Helter Skelter. I'm like, what <laughs> kind of song is this? This kind of sucks. And I'm like, oh, this actually is the Motley Crue song. That's why it doesn't sound as good. Uh, Were the Beatles a thing for you at all, though, Brian? I was like eight. I was was like eight years old. I mean, come on, give me a break. Next time you're bored, Brian, navigate over to George Lynch's Instagram. There's a really nice meme that I think you'll appreciate about the the weather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's going there now. You said (laughs) two magic words: George and Lynch. George Lynch. (laughs) Oh, let's see. George Lynch official. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What? Oh, was, I found it. Okay. Oh, wait. Yeah. What do you mean I have to log in? I'm not logging in. Oh, he's going to start ranting. There'll be oh, adverts next. Meteorologist. Fire up your Raspberry Pi powered <laughs> VPN. Come on. <laughs> that is perfect, George. Yeah. That is you perfect. You guys talked over each other. Read that off again, Brian. Meteorologist, quote unquote, dress for mid 80s. Me and the boys. And it's in there, uh, you know, what you would assume an 80s rock band would be wearing leather yeah, and leather you know. and open chests and you know yeah <laughs> sc- yeah little scarves around your neck and mm-hmm. all that the stuff. hair the, basically the 80s thing that rock bands did yeah i have a confession to make on the scarves thing i uh the first concert i ever went to was david bowie's glass spider in 1987 and i was a mixed up kid and uh, in terms of merch my mum wouldn't buy me much of the official merch because it was damn expensive back then but as we left, there was a guy selling like white scarves, and I bought like a white David Bowie glass spider tour scarf. I mean, what what twelve year old boy isn't going to wear one of those every day of the <laughs> week? I think it got used as a headband a couple of times before being retired into the back of a closet. So the eighties was a time of darkness for fashion, wasn't it, Bry? <laughs> well, it depends, you know. I particularly liked. Uh... Never mind, I can't go there on this <laughs> version of the of the podcast. But there were some, so there were some things that some bands wore back in the eighties around the uh, you know the mid region that I always found peculiar. Like I don't understand why you would do that, Vince Neil. But um, <laughs> all right, you do you. He should wear it now. That would that would be a look if he just turned up wearing the uh, spiky jock strap now <laughs> and the leather chaps. And the giant, uh, you know, frame of his enlarged self. That would be awesome. Oh, that would be good Wampler merch. Spiky jock straps. Wow, I'm there already. I mean, I'm wearing the prototype. Shit, I've given too much away. That is why you're You, you did say put the spikes on the inside, though, right, right? Because it's a little uncomfortable. Does it, it doesn't make sense if they're on the outside. Right. It is chafing somewhat. 
<laughs> this is so much bad imagery, you know? <laughs> I'm just Oh, we could go much worse than this, Blake. This I know, but tame. I don't want to. Um, um, I can't my- wait to... Inner eye right now. Ooh. I can't wait till the iTunes reviews or the <laughs> Apple Podcast reviews. All these guys do is talk about studded jockstraps. <laughs> it was for three minutes. Come on. That's three minutes longer than necessary. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's what she said. You know, said. this right. is why I'm anti-metaverse. <laughs> this is why. Because you know, don't the, be anti-metaverse. The, well, because the next thing, if we get into the metaverse, then Richard's gonna like beam that image into my brain, and I won't just be kind of picturing it; I'll be seeing it in real time via the metaverse, and it'll just be a nightmare <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> that does, in fact, sound like a complete nightmare. I'm not gonna lie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how we got here, but we did. Um, <laughs> 80s rock 80s rock it, 80s rock and George Lynch it's the end of every conversation uh, <laughs> and the beginning and the beginning so uh, one thing we probably should talk about Bri is we've released a new pedal uh, well certainly we by the time well by the time this goes out we have released a new pedal oh we did just a couple days ago actually we did we released the new Pantheon Deluxe Dual overdrive. Blake, we, we must mm. send you one. Mm. We I'm say that say now, no. but we won't. I know. That's how no, we will. Um, it is, and I've hinted very strongly at this, but it is a surprisingly brilliant piece of kit. Now, yeah, yeah I do what I can. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to blow too much smoke up your, uh, your backside there, Mr. Wampler, but... When I received it, obviously it's a high-quality piece of kit, you know, all the sort of marketing spiel. But I was like, well, I've got a couple of Pantheons, and I know they sound great together. Why am I going to like this? But what I like about this is with the MIDI switching, which is a first for a Wampler pedal, we've made something... Uh, on, on a dirt. On a dirt switch. pedal, yeah. You've, uh, got, yeah you've got MIDI control on the, uh, on the Terraform. Terraform, yeah. But... This is the first dirt pedal we've ever done with MIDI switching. There aren't many companies doing MIDI switching on analog dirt pedals. There are a few, and I think you're going to see a lot more. It just makes this so damn flexible. And because it's two Pantheons, although they're not quite the same. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, sort of. And we'll talk about that in a second and the reasons why we did that. But because you've got two kind of blues breaker circuits of different vintages, shall we say, you can configure one side up to be soft and rumbly, and you can configure the other side up to be harsh and hard-hitting. And then you, you sure? can combine both of those to make the most ridiculous lead solo tone possible. So enough selling from me. Blake, are you interested? Can I send you several? You can send me all of them. All of them? Brilliant. Yeah, all of them. I all like 10,000. I like how you described the two sides because it was almost like you were describing yourself and Brian. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it totally made sense. One is to nice me. and nice and rounded. The other one is firm and strong. Hey, no, I've, been, no, I've been on a low carb diet. Humbly, Come on. One was aggressive. <laughs> uh, I'll let you decide re- which is which. I resemble <laughs> that comment. But no, it is. It, that's the surprising thing about it. And I think that's always the mark of a good pedal is, is when you realize. It's not just these are two, three sounds that sound good. It's when the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts because mm-hmm. the effect you've got here is, let's just say you're going to do a gig. You just take this pedal with you. You've got a rhythm tone, you've got a lead tone, and you've got a boosted solo tone all in one box, essentially. So tell me how this MIDI switching works on this particular pedal. And I'm not actually... <laughs> I'm not saying that because uh, I'm trying to... Uh, in uh, lengthen this commercial. I genuinely don't understand how you've done it. Like, this is a real question. Well, what we've done is we've employed magical diodes that mm. will send the midis around the circuit and no. switch things on for you when you send signals. <laughs> you send nothing the to do midis with, around? Nothing to do with diodes whatsoever. Oh, but everyone's crashed. <laughs> the midichlorians, perhaps? Is that what it is? We'll be right back. Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. 
No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Ooh, Richard's just frozen. Frozen oh, in time. Oh, he's oh, gone. Hey, he's, out. he's gone. He popped <laughs> he said, out. He's, he's like, stop making fun of me, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> Screw this stuff. I don't <laughs> like these guys anyways. Well, Brian, this is like the old days now. Okay, this is this is exactly like the old days. Mm-hmm. So, oh, uh, oh, oh now nah, he's back. Never mind. We, we better stop talking about him. Oh, I guess we are. Well, it's not. <laughs> and that's when it turned purple, and she told me that I needed to apply more cream. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what well, happened you gotta there. Caref- you got to be careful with your earlobes, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did it? Mm-hmm. Did it keep all my sounds? Do you think? Uh, we'll find out once we upload. I have it's no idea. It's almost like a, it a might, lottery. Might involve some creative engine, uh, creative engineering, creative uh, 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 editing. Editing. Okay. okay. So we... to, to those to those listening, we basically Richard popped out for a second. Not intended. He just like <laughs> dropped off the face of the earth. I dropped so... out to popped out. Popped no, out has exactly. a different connotation over here. <laughs> That sounds like I'm a flasher. I'm not one of those. Um, hey, anymore. Don't, don't knock it till you try. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I didn't mean that. Right. Back to the MIDI. So what we've got, Blake, very simply, is just MIDI switching. So there are two channels. You can turn them both on, both off, or either on. That's all we've implemented with this because it's, okay. as, as we said, it's analog pots, all analog circuitry. So all the MIDI is doing is interfacing essentially with our controller circuit, which is where all the switches go into, uh, and lets you switch on. So what it it also therefore means is, let's say you've got a MIDI looper that you're using to control all your pedals. Well, you'd normally need a loop to put another pedal in and control it. You mm-hmm. don't with this, because you could just put it at the end of the loop if you didn't have the space, and use the MIDI to control it. Or you could put it completely separately into the loop as two separate channels, and again, control it totally with MIDI. Um, and I may be just like a bit of a simpleton here, but the minute I saw the LEDs changing when I used my MIDI switcher, that just made me happy. That was just it was a lovely thing to see. So <laughs> it's a really practical pedal for a, a gigging musician, I think, um, which is why Brian made it. No, There's no <laughs> mystery here. He's starting gigging, and he makes the ultimate gigging pedal. Mm, what's going on there? <laughs> Self-service. That's what's going a little, on here. A little bit. Self-service. <laughs> well, cool. That was a great commercial, guys. This, yeah, this, it pro- this, probably longer than it should have been because I dropped out or popped out, as you said. This podcast brought to you by Wampler Pedals, in case you were all wondering. <laughs> you know. I mean, it kind of is anyway, right? Yeah. So Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to talk about our own pedals. Um, also, the gearbox is back in stock and is selling like uh, proverbial hotcakes. So that's really good news. And I have to say, you put these two pedals next to each other. And in fact, you stick this pedal in between the gearbox's Tumnus and Pinnacle circuit. Oh, boy. This is this is a very powerful rig with just two pedals. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how my that's how my demo video is gonna go. Hey, it's okay. Yeah, it's I good. Mean, it's fine. I mean, isn't that kind of what Josh did with the the last three series? He was like, "These are all right. You can buy them if you want." <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. That was more of his Instagram posts. He was just right. like, "Here's some more pedals that suck." But this is like, dude, you're so self deprecating. Sometimes it's insane, <laughs> but it's funny. So whatever. My stomach just made some weird noises, and I'm blaming it entirely on my high-protein, low-carb diet at the moment. But, um, yeah, bro, one thing I'm going to touch on very quickly before we move on to non-Wampler advertorial. Uh, mm. We have two different, like, tunings on the channels here, right? One is a classic blues breaker, and one yep. is similar to how we did the Panther, which is more of a sort of modern boutique More feel. of along the lines of, the way I explained it is, it's the... It's more closely related to what the King of Tone is doing. It's not. It's not a direct clone by any means, but it's that's where its roots are. And then, you know, I just did my own thing with it. So it's not a clone of. It's not a clone of the King of Tone at all. 
No, I mean, comparisons are going to be made. And we've even got a video coming out that will compare it. It's it's more of my take on the blues breaker circuits. It's more of that than a King of Tone clone or a blues breaker clone or whatever. This is not in the same market space for me as the King of Tone. If you want that ultimate personalized, hand-built, hand-wired experience. You're going to still want a King of Tone. You're going to want a King of Tone. And you're going to be waiting four years for that. And it's going to make you feel special and you're going to get it and you're going to love that pedal. And it is a great pedal. It, of course it is. That's 100%. You know, I'd go as far as saying if you take any great distortion overdrive circuit and double it, it's going to make a great pedal because <laughs> that's that's science, kids. Um, but yes, this isn't competing with it. It's like it. having chocolate ice cream and putting chocolate syrup on it, right? Yeah. I haven't had any ice cream for at least a week now. What? I'm only allowed it at weekends. I'm I'm totally carb free in the week at the moment. Mm. I'm becoming a lean, mean. Fo- I want to be like you, bro. I want to be able to do flips in the trampoline pit <laughs> with Robin Ford. Yes. <laughs> Although I did see we we talked about Davy Das last week, and then yeah. actually he posted a video of him, I think benching. 350 pounds or something he's, stupid like that. He's a power lifter, yeah. He's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to get in a fight with him. Let's put it that way. No, he's a gentle guy, though. He's, he's I wouldn't want guy. to get in a fight with Blake either. But that's because I feel All you got to do is stay, stay on his bad side. That's right. <laughs> Meaning <laughs> side, side of his body. Yeah. You go over here, I can't even see you. You'd probably take me out immediately. I'd have no idea you were even coming. I have, I have a friend who... Uh, I mean, he had a stroke and he lost some eyesight. Oh, this is going to be really funny, Brian. No, he, oh, I mean, he's strokes. he's very self-deprecating as well. And so he, I think it's his left side, I think, that he can't see. Um, you know, like from a certain point, he can't see anything over there. And he keeps, he still drives. And he's hitting mailboxes and all kinds of stuff. And, what? And he, when you walk towards him, if you come up on his bad side, he's like, don't sneak up on me. And I'm like, dude, I was just, on the, I've been sitting here on this left side of your body for like five minutes. I, I, I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't know this for a fact, and I'm not trying to uh, get down on your friend at all, but I've been a, a, a Cyclops for like over 10 years now, and my driving's fine. I've never hit a mailbox because of it. I'm just well, throwing and, it out. And there. I'm I'm not advocating for this at all. This is just a, again, this is someone that is I went to school with. Mm-hmm. And um sometimes that's from when they come back from the bar. <laughs> ah. you know, if you know what I'm trying to say. So I see. I see. you know, sometimes you come back from the bar, <laughs> you don't have good eyesight on one side and you might miss the road and hit some mailboxes. They call that the uh, Martinsville Freeway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good thing is, you know, the path from the bar back to his house, it's all, it's nothing but a, you know, dirt lane. So. Yes. Yeah. It's perfect for riding your lawnmower down. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just out to mow some pavements. Oh, no, you've got the sidewalks over there. Sorry. I'm out to mow some sidewalks with my Mm -hmm, tractor. In Um, other news, uh, sorry. No, I was going to say, this this conversation reminded me of uh, a dear departed friend of mine called Trevor who was very big into his music and got me into some amazing bands. Uh, and he stayed out in New York at one point with a couple who uh, the husband had only one eye. Every single picture in the house was crooked. Now, Trevor used to be a print setter, so he was incredibly anal about things being at right angles, so went around this guy's house and reset every single picture to perfect <laughs> angles. I was just thinking, this poor guy woke up one day and he probably felt drunk. He was like, what's going on? My entire world is, is off axes now. <laughs> Again, so, I don't understand why he couldn't hang a picture straight. I can see straight. I don't understand what these people's problem is. I don't get it. No, like you, I never have an accident in my car. I see loads of them in my rear view mirror, but I never get involved in any, right? No, never. Never, never. So, advert over, uh, on to <laughs> this week's <laughs> cryptocurrency news. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, D- uh, Dave Mustaine and Megadeth have come out with their own official cryptocurrency. Look at that. With exclusive and premium benefits, they say. Well, Dave's selling, but who's buying? Exactly that. <laughs> I mean, it feels a little bit not punk rock to come out with a cryptocurrency. I'm just going to say, and I'm not saying they're a punk rock band, 
But it feels a little old man to come out with your own, like, branded cryptocurrency. I don't know. I was actually thinking about this. Um, and I was actually before I read this article. But this is uh, along the lines of NFT stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, I think everybody in the space is probably trying to figure out what in the hell they're going to do to make cash in the future off their music, right? Um, there was one yeah, TikToker, um, I don't have his name, shoot. Uh, good account, exactly and I can't remember his name. What they're doing, I'm pulling but, it up right now. Um, but he was talking about how basically the future of music involves NFTs and how currently the model, and he's it's stereotyping as a TikTok, right? So you got like 30 seconds or whatever to say what you're trying to say. But basically he he's talking about how if you're not good at selling or if you're not able to understand that your music is your advertisement to sell people, other stuff related to your music, then you're going to have a hard time making money in the music industry. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of pushback. A lot of people saying, I, I, I would never, you know, just have the idea of selling people stuff to make a living. And, mm. you know, it's kind of like, well, that's what you do whenever you want to make a living playing music. You have to find things that your customers want to buy and then sell them those things. Otherwise, that's called a hobby. Mm. So that lines up with something I saw. Uh, my friend, Ann Sulikowski, she does a lot of gear demos uh, in the more ambient style. And she also is like a really good artist in general with painting. She's super talented. Um, she, got, she gets a lot of flack from people, and it's really ridiculous. But somebody decided she, they needed to slide in her DMs and say, if you feel the need to sell your art, then you're not a true artist or something along those lines. Yeah, I've seen and, that. Cinema. And I'm like, that's among one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that Michelangelo got paid a hefty sum to paint the Sistine Chapel. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's, that's considered art by pretty much everyone's definition. Uh that just because it's done for commercial purposes doesn't make it any less valid. I think that's idiotic, honestly. Uh, because, you know, art is a valid way to make a living and artists deserve to eat. Right. I know that seems controversial. And well, some artists and it's, do. Not all it's artists helpful, do. It's helpful if they eat, therefore that allows them to continue making more no, art. No, again, see. certain artists, I'd be quite happy to see them starve so that they weren't able to make art again. Well, I can understand. I mean, you always have the Pink Floyds of the world. Oh, but, my God. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, <clears throat> that's a joke, folks. That's a joke. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not going to starve anytime soon, right? <laughs> that's probably uh, true. But... I was thinking about art quite a lot this week because I was thinking about Banksy. Um, you guys are familiar with who Banksy is, right? Yep. I mean, I he's probably so. the most famous artist in the world right now. Banksy? I would say he's I probably the most famous, and you don't know who he know. is, Brian. You don't Banksy. know who Banksy is. Banksy is... I would bet money you've seen his art, Brian, If you even if you didn't know it. Yeah. He, he's basically a um, graffiti artist who uses stencils to make political statement, so... Yep, uh, yep. I know you're talking about now. Just yeah. did not know that was and, the name. And his f famous piece recently was he sold a work in a, on a canvas, but he'd rigged up a shredder inside the canvas to a mobile yeah. phone so that when the auction hammer fell, it started to shred the artwork that was in there, which is brilliant. There's no doubt about it. That's the biggest two fingers up at the art establishment ever. But, but then it becomes more valuable. It becomes infinitely piece. more valuable because of the <laughs> event, because art is all about the event as much as anything else. Mm -hmm. But, yet, you know, it, it is a very rare person that can make those statements and it'd be good. So for every Banksy, there's several, you know, nearly rands. Um, and, and Brian, I've seen some of your paintings and I'm afraid to tell you, mm. you are in the nearly ran category, my friend. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen such popular graphics that I made on uh, the Plextortion <laughs> in mm, 2008. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the Talent Booster was another the fantastic... The My First Pedal yeah. with Crayola, I think that was one right. of yours. <laughs> right, well, you know, the best thing to do is find a good font in Microsoft Word and just start using that. 
Yes. You know, I, I usually design all my pedals in Microsoft Brian, Word. Brian, we still and then I trans- design all our pedals. I Microsoft transition Word. that to Microsoft Paint. See, I that's do the them best. in Excel. <laughs> and Richard, you must be a big fan of the OCD graphics because that Comic Sans oh, really pops up. Comic there. Sans <laughs> MS is my favorite typeface of all time. I tried to get that to be our, our uh, official font, but I got shot down. Oh, shocking. I'm so surprised. Mm-hmm. Good job too. Pardon the French. Beat that one. Oh yeah, you better write down. Thirty-four. <laughs> Thirty-four minutes. <laughs> you making my editing life hell, Richard. Richard got <laughs> incensed by the application of comic. I, I've told this story before. I worked for a guy who's a megalomaniac and quite a bit of a tosser, uh, which is don't English. talk about Brian that way. Come on, <laughs> which He's is right English here. polite speak for a complete wanker, um, and. Uh, he insisted on our first company logo and company font and website all being done in Comic Sans MS. And I used to go home and almost cry about this. It was the most awful thing in the world. <laughs> in fact, I'm crying now. In fact, you know, when I'm, I was not, 10 years old, I thought Comic Sans was really cool. And I would type whole papers in it. Because it was designed for you. It's very good for dyslexics as well because every character is somewhat unique. It was but designed that's for what me in what way exactly? Well, because you are a comic reader who was 10 at the time. Yeah, well, that's okay. I, I assumed that's what you meant. I assumed. Oh, I, yeah, I wasn't just saying it was designed for you because basically you have the mental capabilities of some shredded lettuce. That would be <laughs> wrong. I wouldn't say that. Not live on the podcast. I have the mental capabilities of unshredded lettuce, my Whoa, good sir. Yeah. Steady on there. Yeah. Yeah, a whole solid head of lettuce. That's that's my mental capacity. Mm. Um, you've made me completely lose the train of thought. Yeah, I was we were talking about Dave Mustaine or uh, Megadeth's. Uh, uh, Dave buys, Is that how we started on this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I cryptocurrency. Think I think for a band like Megadeth, uh, who is massive and has a massive following, this could probably work fairly well for them. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, if Iron Maiden did it, it would sell for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that it will be fine for them. I think this is going to be part of a greater trend moving forward. Like mm-hmm. one of the things that I keep hearing about NFTs that I think is would be brilliant if an artist would take advantage of. I know this isn't exactly an NFT, but it's, mm, it's in that it's realm. In same, it's in that realm is the idea of, let's say you're an independent artist who's done pretty well and you have some heat on you and the labels are approaching you. Maybe I've already talked about this before. I don't think um, so. Go ahead. So one idea I've heard discussed, I didn't come up with it. I just don't, I don't remember where I heard it first, uh, is say, you know, labels are coming to you. They're like, we're going to give you an advance of this to do this album and blah, 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 blah. If you've already got some following behind you, the concept was, you create a set of NFTs for however much you need to make you make this record. And you write into the contract that say the fans who buy these NFTs to help finance this next record, mm-hmm. get 20% of the royalties off of the rec- off of the album. Yes, exactly. It's the smart contract that makes it valuable. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. So you get it, you, you sell these to the fans at, at a, probably a reasonable price, honestly, like something that a fan would spend, you know, 20, 30 bucks on uh, whatever that converts to in whatever NFT platform you're on. Mm -hmm. And you write that into the contract and then those fans can make their money back in perpetuity Mm. and you don't owe anybody anything outside of what's in that contract. It makes me think along the lines of that this could very easily happen with hardware pedals as well. You buy a pedal and whenever you resell it, you get a you know, everybody gets a chunk of money back. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, if especially if, uh, whoever designed the graphics, especially whoever designed the graphics, that yes. person <laughs> yes. gets uh, the biggest amount. Yes, oh, finally. But I mean, I mean, really, I mean, it, it just it really opens up a lot of opportunities, especially for smaller companies. Well, not even especially, but if you're a smaller company, I mean, you can have a small but dedicated audience. And uh, you know, it's very beneficial for them to kind of buy into the idea. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I think, you know, Megadeth, fair play for leading the way. I wonder if um, Dave Ellefson's going to make any deposits. Oh, God. 
Oh my no. No. No bad Richard. I'm trying bad. I'm, you you're you've got it right there, and I'm trying <laughs> not to He already did. Deary <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. me, I, I apologize. I listeners. had to get that out I'd of like, my system. Yeah, I'd he, like to apologize to our listeners for Richard's horrible behavior. <laughs> I thought that was quite podcast. highbrow for me. He's I trying to that... lead me down the path, and I almost, I almost went even further. Well, <laughs> he already did. That's what I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. So, uh, moving swiftly along, uh, and <laughs> conscious that we are out of uh, time almost, I would like to draw your attention to a pondering I had the other day, and I think this is something that you guys have discussed in the past. It felt like I had discussed it, but I think I may have just listened to it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering the other day, in a completely focused and normal state of mind, if you have like a battery, a data bank, if you will, for your musical tastes, and that fills up by the time you're about 30, and you can continue to add a few bits here and there. Like there's a little bit of capacity, but the main capacity is used when you're 30. And that's why as you get older, you're unable to take on so much new music and the stuff you were listening to between, let's just say, 15 and 30 has an extra resonance to you because it's peak data bank music. Am I... um? Was I on the fungibles when I came up with that? Yeah, but I'll answer that. Yes, I was. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> was I on the strong fungibles when I came up with that? Or does that resonate with you guys? So yeah, we talked about this. And I, I, as soon as you brought it up in the little text chat we have going on, I was reminded that Brian and I talked about this a couple of years ago, uh, not knowing that there was a scientific study to back it up, but we were just kind of hypothesizing the same way that you just did. And we had some listeners send us this very article that I brought up here from TheVerge.com, published February 12th, 2018. Uh, Our musical tastes peak as teens, says study. Men are age 14 when their favorite song is released, and for women, it's age 13 on average. Wow. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, New York Times analysis of Spotify data has found that the songs we listen to during our teen years set our musical tastes as adults. For men, the most important period for forming musical taste is between the ages of 13 to 16. Men were, on average, age 14 when their favorite song was released. For women, the most important period is between 11 and 14, with 13 being the most likely song age for when their favorite song came out. It was also found that childhood influences were stronger for women than men, and the key years for shaping taste were tied to the hmm. end of puberty. Well, that explains my love of firehouses don't treat me bad. Baby. <laughs> Don't treat me bad. I was going to say, is this why Brian's the world's biggest Debbie Gibson and Tiffany fan? <laughs> so, here's a, here's a I mean, it would be 1989 like little, for you, uh, wouldn't it, Brian? Uh, say again? It would be about 1989 for you, wouldn't it? 14-ish? Uh, no. <laughs> well, a little bit, but around that age. Around that age, yeah. Yeah, somewhere near there. I don't want to give my exact birth date because that's on Wikipedia. Um, I mean, Poison, no, Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Millie for me, Vanilli. for me, like it's weird because it's it's the end of the '80s rock era and it's the beginning of uh, Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Really, See, and and for me, I don't agree with this scientific um, finding because. I think it is the music that I was listening to, you know, maybe between 19 and 25 that really meant the most to me. But I could be wrong. Uh, I normally am. I mean, I th- I think there's, for me, there's there's different periods. So I didn't get into Paisley, to Brad Paisley, until I was in my 20s. But that was just because I was in a country band. And I'd never been in a country band before. And I'm like, I probably should start listening to some country music so I can know how to play these songs. And then I'm like, holy crap, this guy is... I, I have no idea what he's playing here. I, no clue. Um, so, you know, that kind of start me down that road. But I think the stuff that I really, the stuff that really hits home with me on like the rock level would be more like Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and um, really Pink a lot Floyd. of Alice in Chains. Uh, mostly Pink Floyd and David Bowie, <laughs> but also with a good amount of Pearl Jam first three albums, preferably. And, um, I think 
everyone I knew was like deeply into Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Not, besides like the teen spirit stuff, but like everything else but the radio hits. We were really, 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 really into that stuff. Which is, you know, and today that's why I basically have a, I have a crush on Dave Grohl. I think we are familiar with your man crush, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm the same because my he's coming to Indianapolis, by the way. So is he? Chris, are you inviting uh, him over? Hit me up, and you know, man, let me, you know what to do. Call. Get up front, we'll give do him a, a pedal, mm-hmm. do the Ooh. old throw a pedal at him routine. Just don't hit him with That's, it. Oh, well, Chris Shiflet actually uses some of our stuff, but oh, um, and I know he uses some. Fr- I know Bet they use like Freeman a jewel pantheon. I think you know what I need to do. I need, we need to get Chris Shiflet on. We need to get Chris Shiflett on the podcast, and then I'll ask him on the podcast if I can get tickets. Mm. That's a good idea, right? Because once right? he's on, just put him on totally yeah, on the spot. spotlight. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I love that. I like everything up to the last part <laughs> uh, of the up, up to the bit that <laughs> yeah. sounded a little yeah. bit like you were kidnapping somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Chris. You cannot face. get off this podcast <laughs> yeah. until I get my tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I was about to say, so for me, uh, and I, I've definitely mentioned this before, and people who know me will know this, but I, I drank up a biker pub between the ages of um, <clears throat> 15 and uh, 22. Uh, it was a great pub called The Iron Horse. It, um, the original keyboard player from Hawkwind used to drink there, so it was full of characters. Great pub, and the music was always rock. <clears throat> And we were like the EDM crowd in the corner, but we also liked the rock. And so there were like rock DJs playing, you know, everything from Pearl Jam, David Lee Roth and stuff of of the moment, going all the way back to 70s rock and, you know, 80s rock, whatever. And that's the music that actually, I didn't realise it until much later in life, has the most emotional pull on me. When I learned to play Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers on the guitar kind of made me cry a little bit. Such a beautiful song that I really grew up around that being able to play it just brought back teenage me in in an instant. And again, it's the power of music to do that. The only thing that's close for me is smell. When I smell something from my teenage years, which is normally a bad smell, I'm just going to say, that (laughs) might take me back. But listening to a song that you haven't really listened to a lot, but that was a big part of your teenage life, that's moving. I, I like that. That's what music's for. Reminds me of, um, you know, the popular quote, when the light's out, it's less dangerous. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Makes, makes one think. It does. Really makes you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Deep. yeah, for me, I think that that holds true. I, I would say it probably extends as far as, like, the stuff that really hits home. I mean, I'm still finding stuff I really, really like and resonates with me. Um, but as far as the stuff that takes me back in that same way, it, it goes from about... 12 to about 18 or so for me, as far as the really heavy emotional hitters that um, maybe some of which I can objectively look at now and go, that's not that great, mm-hmm. but I still love it. You yeah, know? See, I was into black flag at 12. Cause I was, I was a big skater, you know, yeah. I, was, I was the kid and, with and like I, a half likewise, pipe in the backyard. I, I wasn't the biggest sure. black flag uh, fan. Uh, I was familiar with them, but I was into the skater thrash. I was listening to Anthrax and I'd heard kind of the first few um, Metallica albums, but I loved my suicidal tendencies, first versions of Faith No More. All of that stuff was part of my like really young stuff, but it didn't really, I loved it and I love it a lot now, but it didn't really kind of like flick any emotional switches. I think the first song that actually made me sit up and go, wow. Well, actually it it probably was... um, Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols was was a life changer. But when I heard Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart for the first time, I was like, this is the perfect song and it is not like any song I've ever heard. Isn't that in excess? No. No, that's never Tear Us Apart. Yes, that's a totally okay. different it's band different altogether. Oh, we've got so yeah, much work big, to do here, Blake. A big one for me, and this will like tell you exactly how old I am, <laughs> is a System of a Down's Toxicity. Did not Are you 17? <laughs> my daughter has my... that album. That That is how young you are. <laughs> it did not leave my Walkman for the entirety of my middle school year, like years. Like I literally listened to that, that album every single day. And I still turn it on. And I'm like, yep, this album still jams. This is it's, not awesome phase, <laughs> it's not a phase, mom. It's not a phase. It's not a phase, ma'am. Nice. Do you I have am. any... 
Did you have an emo haircut? Did you have like a, a, a few locks of hair that went longer than your eyes? No, I actually, believe it or not, wore a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great look. I've always yeah. wanted a cowboy hat. I've never owned one. I think it's the it's, one hat that would suit my giant head. It was really funny because I would I had a cowboy hat on, but like all of these punk rock and emo like t-shirts. And just like, I had like the emo outfit with slightly bigger pants than most of the kids were wearing. And a cowboy hat. It was a very strange combination. But I was like, I'm never letting go of this Waylon Jennings. I'm never you letting grew, go. <laughs> you grew up in the era of, of pants or trousers, as we call them over here, that could cause you an injury if the wind caught you in the wrong direction and blew you around the room, right? Uh, I grew up in, on, in both eras. So there was the very extremely large Jane Co. Jeans era. Yes. Uh, which was more in my fifth, sixth grade time. And then fast forward to freshman year of high school, it was when I first realized that the guy, the emo kid in front of me was literally wearing his girlfriend's jeans. And I was like... We're still seems... waiting for that trend to reverse. Skinny that's... jeans does not suit the fuller man. <laughs> me and Brian it's... do not look well, good. Well, at least you got an ass. Jeans. I look like I just got nothing but legs. <laughs> Go straight up to my back. It was, uh, I mean, they're skinny, but there's then there's painted and these yes. were painted, you know. Ouch. I was like, "Wow, this is this is a lot for me to deal with right now," and that looks very uncomfortable. And that's um, when Blake started to sing soprano. I did not follow that uh, particular trend. My my pants might be on the uh, slimmer side, but we're not going to go that far. That's just not going to work with this badonka donk. <laughs> and that concludes this week's pant watch with <laughs> Blake Wyland. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm done here, fellas. I, I think there's your title. <laughs> Pant watch with like, Blake. That's Wyland. not going to work with this badonkadonk. No, that's <laughs> not going to work with this badonkadonk. That'll be the title. That has go. to be the title. Right, I'm done. We've got to get out of here. All right. Before we'll see I say something I regret. <laughs> Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email podcast at wamplerpedals.com and I'll personally get your email. To email Blake, simply email info at tonemob.com and Richard can be reached at richard at wamplerpedals.com. If you'd like to show your support for the show, the simplest and free way to do that is simply to share this podcast with a friend, leave a review and a rating wherever you normally get your podcasts. Also, check out Blake's podcast called The Tone Mob. And make sure you check out wamplerpedals.com for blogs, videos, and of course, guitar effects. If you'd like to hear the post-podcast conversations and to get even more content, to be, to be one of the cool kids on the bus, check out uh, our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.